Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. Hi there, friends. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I had a rough, a rough weekend bit of an emotional weekend. Okay, a really emotional weekend. Still really trying to wrap my head around it all, come to terms with it, decide who I'm going to put my postseason juju behind for the next few weeks. You know, I, I really pulled out all the stops. I burned the sage. I went to Whole Foods. I found myself some sage. I lit it up. I thought all the good thoughts sent all the good vibes broke out the pumpkin beer for the first time this season. I wore the same outfit I wore the last time the Cardinals had a good big win that I was present for. <sighs> but sometimes it just isn't meant to be. And it's funny how we remember every year how unpredictable postseason baseball really is. So I try to remind myself this is part of why we love the game. It's not making it any less painful right now, but Chin up, Cardinals fans. We can certainly get deeper into detail on this in future episodes if we want, but I am finding a lot of comfort in Yachty and Albert both getting hits in their last at-bat right now. I'm also reminding myself that there are so many players on this team to be really excited about and that we still are super connected to and able to build around besides Albert and Yachty. And I cannot talk about Wayno yet. Do not ask me. Don't ask me. So there's that, you know, and there's probably going to be a lot of action this offseason, things to keep us engaged, keep us talking about. So let's look at it that way. Oof. It hits hard. But I have some good news for you. I had a great conversation with our guest today. Her name is Molly McNamee. Molly has been working as a personal trainer and group fitness coach for the past decade, and she owns her own business called MFIT, which you're going to hear more about today. Molly is also a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, and lucky for all of us, Molly and I had this conversation prior to our hearts being shattered on Saturday night, so we still had hopes, dreams, we still believed in magic. We were just overall in a much better headspace. So we can all revisit that simpler time together today on the podcast. I am excited for you to meet Molly because not only is she a big Cardinals fan, she was at Dodger Stadium for Albert Pujols' 699 and 700th home run. So we'll hear about that from her towards the end of the interview. But Molly is a certified personal trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. It's also the same program that I am certified through. And she's a corrective exercise specialist also through NASM. She has some certifications through Precision Nutrition. So if you're at all familiar with the fitness and wellness industry, these are definitely the top programs that are you know highly accredited, provide the information, the knowledge to then allow the right people to connect the dots for all that information and really 
be able to connect with their clients to apply all that good stuff. And Molly is definitely doing just that. So I'm excited for you to meet her. And whether you are looking to start your fitness journey, you're looking to switch things up, you're just looking for little tips and tricks that might keep you excited and motivated and kind of change Again, change the conversation, change the perception of what it means to commit to fitness in your life. I think Molly's got a little bit of something for everybody. So let's listen in. All right. Well, we're excited to welcome Molly McNamee, who is live with us from her apartment in Los Angeles, sunny Los Angeles, I assume. Molly, is it nice out there today? It is. Yep. It's like sunny and 70. Perfect California weather. Amazing. Well, depending on where our listeners are at, they may uh, be able to enjoy that with you. Or if you're anywhere in central Illinois, like I am, the hoodies are out, the stocking caps are out, and we are in full fall mode over here. But thank you for taking some time out to join us this weekend. And we're excited to get to know a little bit about you. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening and I'm just honored to be a guest because we're on the same page of a lot of things, whether it be baseball or fitness or, or life. So I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And I guess that all started um, because how Molly and I know each other is that our our dads grew up together and are have always been close friends and they were best men in each other's weddings. Um, and they are you know, still holding down the fort in central Illinois, big Cardinal fans. But that is how we are connected. So we were raised right, Molly. That's what I think. We were raised right, and I feel like we both take after our dads a bit, so that influences our interests and our life decisions. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay, well, first off, just tell us about you. Give us like a Cliff Notes version of Molly. Where did you come from? How did you end up in LA and all that good stuff? Yeah, okay. Cliff Notes of 30 years of my life. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> so like you said, I was raised in central Illinois and... I was always into movement and sports uh, as, as a kid. I did competitive gymnastics and competitive dance growing up, and I have older brothers, so I was always playing sports with them, heavy sports household, and it was actually my passion for movement that brought me to LA. I moved to LA for professional dance, so I've been moving all my life, and it moved me all the way across the country when I was just 19 years old to start dancing in a whole different environment. <laughs> And so far, so good, because that was quite a while ago. That was quite a while ago. Yep, like 11, 11 and a half years ago. So I've been here a long time. It now just feels like a part of my life now. This is this is definitely home, even though central Illinois will always be a bit of home as well. Well, obviously, you always moved and you were into sports and movement and grew up dancing. But how did you get into the fitness world? What was that transition like from dance into fitness? Yeah, so when I first moved out here, it was obviously a very big change, <laughs> um, very different from central Illinois life, and I did get very anxious, I gained some weight, I just kind of didn't have the healthiest lifestyle when I first moved out here, and then I started going to the gym, which was the first time I'd kind of gone to a normal gym, not like a dance studio or a yoga studio or something like that, and I found my passion for true fitness. It really helped me relieve stress and get comfortable in this new life and get comfortable in my body again. I used to be dancing like five to eight hours a day, just like that was my life. And then I stopped doing that and my body naturally changed and yeah. didn't like what was happening in my body then. 
mentally didn't love what was happening. So you do kind of have to find a way to feel good and healthy in your life. And then also you have to do it on your own now because right. you're now an adult. One of the things that I really love uh, that you've shared on your social media is about your like personal transition with fitness and how it's evolved for you into more of just taking care of yourself on a day-to-day basis. So tell us about that. Like how has fitness evolved for you from when, when you were a dancer and you were used to moving five to eight hours a day and maybe working out like really intensely because that's just what you were used to as opposed to what you do now. Yeah. So I would say there were actually two big moments that kind of shifted how I look and do fitness on a day-to-day. So in 2018, I got a really bad concussion. That's a story for another day. It was a gnarly hiking accident. But anyway, it made me dizzy and nauseous for months and months and months. So I couldn't do the types of workouts that I were doing, which was a lot of jumping, a lot of super heavy weights, a lot of burpees, a lot of up and down. And those types of workouts left me feeling dizzy and sick and really bad. So Then I shifted to a low impact approach to exercise. So something a little bit more sustainable to your body. And I realized that I was still able to see results and feel good even better in my body doing those types of workouts. Even though that concussion was horrible, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it was able to take me out of that, like you said, really extreme outlook on exercise where you're doing the toughest workouts possible for as long as possible. The other thing that I would say shifted how I exercise would be 2020. I had to stop the gym like most people did. And I really committed to my home workouts that I'd been taking my clients through for years. And I realized, hey, this does actually work. I don't have to go to the gym for three hours a day to see the types of results that I want to see. I can do intentional movement at home and it's just as good, if not better. So now I would say I'm like in the best shape of my life, even though I only work out for 30 to 40 minutes most days of the week. Whereas I used to go to the gym for hours and hours a day doing the toughest workouts, all the jumping, all the running. And now I don't do any of that, but I feel amazing. (laughs) I absolutely love to hear that because one of the biggest roadblocks in general that I hear when I talk to people about fitness or their mindset with it is that Well, if I'm not going to do it at 5 a.m. for 90 minutes every day, and if I'm not going to go to a high intensity interval training class and burn 500 calories before the sun is up, then it's not worth it. And I just can't commit to that. And it also doesn't make you feel good, by the way. So (laughs) that is like the mic drop, honestly, when talking about fitness is that it doesn't have to be even an hour a day. You don't need any equipment at all necessarily. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy or wild that you watch people doing on Instagram and are like, I could never do that. There are plenty of things we can do and things that make you feel so much better than those kinds of crazy things. Exactly. And and that's it. That's what it's all about. For sure. And it's funny because I look back now and I'm like, okay, For years, every few months, I would get really, really tired and burnt out and I would gain like 10 pounds and stop exercising for a few weeks at a time. And then I would jump right back into my lifestyle. And that happened for years. And now looking back at it, I'm like, 
I was burning myself out like crazy with those workouts. It wasn't something I could sustain. So I was constantly in that yo-yo lifestyle where you gain 10 pounds, you lose 10 pounds, and then you do it all over again. So looking back now, I'm like, why did I even think that that was a thing I should be doing? I obviously didn't feel good. So now that I feel really good with my routine and with my body, how it works and how it moves and how it feels, I'm like, why was I even ever doing that? I can't believe I was ever so crazy to think that I felt good. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you were doing it because that's what we're sold and that's what we see. And that's what we think we have to do. That's what fitness is. It took you recognizing how bad you felt from something really unfortunate to change your point of view on it. Exactly. It's so true. And that's a part of my whole message now. I'm like, I don't want you to have to go through something tragic to then find a good, healthy, sustainable routine. Let's just find it now. And a lot of people listening to this probably haven't gone through like a terrible injury or gotten. Yeah, we hope not. (laughs) I hope that hasn't happened to you, but you probably have noticed that every few months, maybe you feel especially tired or maybe you're not feeling that motivated. And those can be signs of you're not doing the right types of workouts and you're pushing yourself a little bit too much. Because like you said, fitness should make you feel good. If you're not feeling energized and your body is hurting, then something's wrong with what you're currently doing. And there is an easy way to fix it. You just have to switch up what you're doing a bit. I think one of the other things I want to talk to you about is people get so down on themselves, like motivation wise, like, oh, I'm just so lazy. I don't want to do it. I can't make myself do it. I worked in a gym for like 90% of my adult life. And there are still days when I'm like, yeah, I'd rather sit here on the couch or like, I don't want to get off the couch, but I know I'm going to feel better when I do. So I think there's a couple of big pieces to that. One is like, I just said, you know, you're going to feel better if you do, and you're only going to know that if you find the right thing. But two is that we as humans, like it is human nature to want to do as little as possible. So it's okay. Like it's okay. You're not a, you're not a lazy fool. You're not a bad person. You're not less than anyone else because you would rather sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Cause so would I, and so would Molly. But if you find the thing that makes you feel good, it, it helps that motivation piece click and talk to us a little about that. What do you talk to people about when it comes to that aspect of it? Yeah, I could talk about motivation for hours and hours because it is a big thing that I have to work through with my clients and with just the general public trying to push that motivation doesn't just come out of thin air, right? Like you're not going to wake up one day and feel motivated. You start to feel motivated when you start moving more, when you have a more energizing life, and that comes from movement. So one thing that I do with my clients is I have them do this five minute test where I'm like, okay, you don't want to work out today. That's fair. Just move for five minutes. And then if that's all that you end up doing, then that's great. But more than likely, once you start moving for five minutes, you're going to want to keep moving. So movement encourages more movement. Laziness enhances more laziness. So if you're feeling lazy every day, then you have to force yourself to break out of that cycle of, oh, I'll just get on the couch because I'm tired. You just have to get up and move a little bit. And it doesn't have to be anything too crazy. But if you just start moving your body, then that motivation will start to come back. But there are many days I don't feel motivated. And then I just put on my favorite song and I do a little dance party. And suddenly I have all the energy in the world. Like you're not always going to feel motivated, even if it's your job to do fitness. Like Absolutely. It is- yeah. But if you just move a little bit, 
then that energy is going to come into you. That motivation is going to come into you, but you can't expect for it just to be there naturally because it's never going to be there. Exactly what you said. Your body's always going to want to find the easiest thing to do. What What's the path of least resistance? Yes, to, to exactly. Like you just have to kind of break yourself out of the cycle a little bit and then you'll start to feel energized and then it's kind of contagious, right? That's when people say, oh yeah, I love exercising. It's because they have found how it can energize their body. Exactly. And that's uh, contagious is a good word because it also affects your mindset. Like I will find that if I need to do a bunch of chores or like I need to do a bunch of errands that I get something done that I'm just not in the mood to do. I always plan now to do my workout before that, because I know once I get it done, I'm going to be like, I'm ready for anything now. And I'm going to feel motivated to just keep going and checking things off the list and being in a much better headspace than I was before. Exactly. And you have to find what works for you. So that's another big thing I see people doing is they see advice on the internet from some random person that they don't even know. And they're like, oh, well, they said this should make me feel energized. They said this should make me feel motivated. But you're going to have to try a few things and and see what works for you, right? Because the first thing you try, maybe it'll be perfect for you. Maybe it won't. But that's why it's good to try out different things and understand that if your body is not feeling it, then maybe it's not the right thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. One of my next questions for you, which we've already started to touch on is what have you found are some of the biggest misconceptions about working out and being quote unquote fit. And obviously we've touched on the fact that you don't have to pound your body into the ground and like the, just the level of intensity and then that motivation piece. But is there any other things that you find yourself connecting and kind of talking mindset on with people in regards to misconceptions there? For sure. The biggest thing I see people struggling with is an all or nothing attitude where they're like, I am going to do this diet or I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to do these workouts or I'm going to do nothing. Like they're either going to do the most or the bare minimum. And a lot of people have that attitude right when they start their health journey. They're like, okay, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to do this diet and I'm going to do this workout program, but you need to ease into it if you want it to be sustainable. So you truly do have to get over that. Oh, I have to do all of this, or I'm not going to see any results. You have to start small and build on that thing so that your body can feel good and see those changes and the transformation will come. But if you have that all or nothing attitude, you're going to get the results and lose the results over and over and over. (laughs) Absolutely. That is such a good way to put it too. It's so easy for all of us to go into something and be like, this is the day I'm going to make the change. And if I miss one workout, or if I eat one thing I said I wasn't going to eat, then it's so easy to get immediately just into a negative headspace and give up on it. So that right there is like the number one reason it's important not to do it, but two, your body and your mind are not going to respond to that overload. It's all about sustainability, like you said, and consistency and all of that happens over time, which is not something any of us want to hear because we're all about instant gratification (laughs) and now more than ever. But this is not something where, you know, we're saying eight weeks from now, you're going to look shredded to go on your vacation. This is much more than that. And it's so much more worth it than like the few Instagram pictures that you're going to see and remember from that vacation. Great. But this, I mean, the the types of benefits that we're talking about last so much further. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And they change much more than just, 
you know, how you look on the outside, but it's a whole lifestyle adjustment. That's such a good call out there. It completely is. It, it shifts your whole mental and physical health completely. And I always ask my clients where it's like, okay, well, do you want to look good in three months and then look bad in four months? Like, yeah. <laughs> is that your goal? Because if that's your goal, sure, you can get there. Or do you want to feel amazing even like five years from now? And exactly. Everyone is like, oh, yeah, I do want to feel amazing in five years. Then if that is your goal, then, okay, then we need to shift the mindset a little bit to make sure that you can actually transform your life instead of just transform your body for a day. Yeah. And what we're talking about here is, you know, a big time commitment. So don't be afraid of the the commitment, the consistency, the long-term goal to get the long-term effect. I think that's another thing that kind of stops people in their tracks, but ultimately there is a balance with it all. One of the other things that you shared recently that I found so relatable and so impactful was things you might be surprised to know that I do as a personal trainer and as a nutritionist. And that is like you and I both will go to the baseball game and have a beer and eat a hot dog. And some days I will miss my workout. Like those are all things that still happen and it's okay. And you're able to mentally recover from missing your workout and know you're going to do it the next day because it's something that we all deal with and you're able to enjoy the hot dog and the beer. Yeah. I always say everything in moderation, including moderation. Sometimes you're going to go wild and that's fine. But <laughs> if you're truly trying to change your lifestyle, then it shouldn't matter if you miss a day, if you barely sleep one night, if you go party one day, if whatever, if it's your lifestyle, if if you forgot to brush your teeth one day, you wouldn't go, oh, I'm never brushing my teeth again. This is so, how could I, how could I possibly do this? <laughs> it should be the same, like exercise and movement is a habit. And if you miss doing something one day, it shouldn't be the end of the world. Like you were probably forced to brush your teeth as a kid. Now it's a part of your life. You're going to have to potentially force yourself to move a little bit more for a while, but then it's going to be a part of your life. It doesn't have to be this big, overwhelming thing. Just think about it in small increments. Let's just move a little bit. Let's make it a part of our life. Let's not actually change our life, but let's just tweak our life a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Add little bits in here and there and make it work for what you've already got going on. Yeah. And in relation to that, I don't know if you experienced this, but I feel like anytime I tell someone that I work in fitness and that's something that they learn about me, there's like this immediate sense of I'm judging them for everything they might talk about lifestyle wise, or if they're not super active or they don't work out or like they just ate a whole pizza for dinner. Like, guess what? I do that sometimes too. And I don't know how I want to like shout that from the rooftop committing to living a healthier life and taking care of yourself does not mean that you cannot enjoy things. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that just because that is a part of my lifestyle and something I've committed to that I think any less of you, or I don't have the same challenges and crazy and all the things as anybody else. I think there's this disconnect there of like the fit people and the non-fit people. And that's just doesn't exist in my mind. But how do you speak on that to people to kind of eliminate that sense of judgment from both sides? That's why I try to, like you said, I made that post recently where it's like, I do these things. I try to 
show what I'm actually doing day to day. I'm, I'm very open that like, oh yeah, I have anxiety. I trouble, I have trouble sleeping. I used to have these problems with food. Now I have these things all the time that aren't necessarily the healthiest foods that I eat all the time. So I just try to be as transparent as possible and be like, no, this is my life. Like I'm laid back. If a client says to me, oh yeah, I had a bad weekend. I don't really want to tell you about it. And I'm, I'm always like, I could care less. We're just moving on from that. Right? Right. It's, like I said, if, if it's your lifestyle, it doesn't matter if you have a bad day. I hate when fitness people call things cheat days. And I'm like, yes. you can't cheat on your lifestyle. Like you, there's nothing to cheat on. Yeah, you can't cheat on yourself. Yeah. You can't cheat on yourself. This is just a part of your life. So how I try to combat that, that is basically just making it very apparent what I'm doing day to day and that it's not some perfect fit lifestyle. And a lot of people do tell me that they like working out with me because I am laid back. I'm not the kind of fitness coach who's yelling in your face. I'm, I'm yeah. the kind of fitness coach who puts on a fun playlist and then I'm singing along with you and then I'm making jokes and then I'm losing my balance too. And then we're, we're in it together. So I try to make myself seem as relatable as possible so that fitness doesn't seem like this intimidating thing because it shouldn't be. It should be something everyone does. And if it's something that's scary, which I do feel like not always to their fault, but a lot of fitness coaches do make fitness seem a little scary. It should be just a, a normal thing, casual, fun, laid back. It's just movement. It's nothing scary. So that's the message I try to put out is that nothing crazy is happening here. We're just moving together. <laughs> yeah, because it is intimidating. But to create that kind of environment right away, it doesn't have to be intimidating. You do have to make yourself vulnerable to a certain extent. But the hardest part is getting started. And when you take that first step and especially finding an environment and a person that you can work with that makes you feel comfortable and gives you that level of comfort sure. and just support. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of environment you need to be in to feel like you can commit to it and keep showing up for it. Yeah. I just feel like more people need to talk about how fitness isn't just workouts. It's, you know, movement. It's feeling energized. It's taking some deep breath. It's getting outside. Like movement doesn't have to be scary. And I feel like that message just needs to be out there more so that people can start to think that exercise is completely normal. And I feel like it is starting to feel a bit more normal. I know when I was a kid, it was like, oh yeah, you're either doing these crazy workout videos or you're you're doing nothing. But now it is a little bit more out there, but I feel like also just the fitness industry needs to do a little bit better about making it more relatable. Yeah. And I'm actively trying to get that message out there. Hopefully just we keep saying it more, people start realizing it more. <laughs> yeah, and make it more accessible because you know, we are both in big urban markets where there are tons of group fitness studios and gyms and access to a lot of different things. So you could try a variety of things and find something that works for you. But the majority of the country is not like that. You know, there's not a fitness studio on every corner. And I forget that sometimes because I have worked in the fitness industry in New yeah. York city and Chicago, where there is literally a boutique fitness studio on every corner, like a Starbucks by now. And I I'm mean, sure there is in LA too. <laughs> so very similar. That's the other thing yeah. is like, just because you don't have access to this 
class and this dark room with loud music that you might see again on the internet doesn't mean that you can't do something that is going to be just as effective, if not more effective for you. There are all different forms of it and nothing taught us that better than the pandemic and having yeah. to pivot and, and figure it out that way. So I think it was a actually a really good thing for a lot of people in that regard. Like you said, it was a big moment for you to figure out how to make things work without you know, having the barbell and any and all kinds of crazy machinery. So exactly. I mean, the pandemic shifted how I work out. It also shifted how I reach my clients. Like my entire business is online now. And that's exciting because I have clients in like Spain on the East Coast in the Midwest. Like you can really start to reach people who may not have access to all of those fitness studios that we were talking about in these big cities, or maybe they do have access to them. They're just not into it, which is I can relate to, or it's like, I can't imagine going to like a soul cycle class. No, thank you. Right. Um, But I will gladly do a 30 minute workout from my home. (laughs) Yep. Convenience has to be a part of being committed to movement and to fitness. And that adds to the convenience of it too. I always tell people don't start something that you can't see yourself doing forever. So if you're like, I could go to the gym, I could drive to the gym like for the next month. Don't do that then. Find something that you're like, oh, I could seemingly do that forever. Cause yeah, I love that. that big of a deal. So if there is any inconvenience, you're eventually gonna fall off or you're not yeah. even to begin with. So you need to find something that you can very, very easily do at the start of your fitness journey. Otherwise it's not going to happen or it's not going to stick And both are kind of failures in the end. Anyways, one small step forward can eventually make a big difference. It's that kind of an approach. And yeah, I love that. Don't start anything that you can't see yourself doing forever because it it also just gets people in that mindset of like eight weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see some benefits. You're going to feel some benefits, but you're never done. So that is how I approach people in like my workout programs and with my clients and stuff. And like, let's just get you moving a bit at first. Like what's the path of least resistance to get you moving right now. And for a lot of people, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to start being a little bit active. And then you start exercising a little bit. And then it just starts to build to this thing that you can realistically do forever because it's now ingrained in your life. One one thing that I have all of my clients do, and if you're listening to this, I challenge you to do this. Whenever you get a notification on your phone, just fix your posture. Ah, oh, like let so that good. just be the thing you start doing, and suddenly you're moving more. Suddenly you're standing up taller. Suddenly you're engaging your core more, and it's taken a millisecond of your day to do. So think about fitness as easy things like that. Just start doing simple things. And then let it start to build into something else. (laughs) That's so good. Oh my gosh. If I sat up straight and just like, yeah, sat up in good posture every single time I checked my phone, bam, love it. (laughs) It works. And it does kind of also break you out of your day a little bit. Cause even though I work in fitness, I'm on my computer pretty much all day, every day. My phone dings. I'm just like, oh, fix my posture for a moment. It hasn't disrupted my work at all, but it has gotten me to be a little bit more active and to be a little bit more aware that my my body does matter a little bit more than the work that I'm doing because your body is always more important than anything else. Like if you're not well, nothing else is going to go well. So yes. Amen. Yeah. And I think this is something that I found working in fitness is that a lot of times I was like, well, I'm moving all the time and you know, I'm doing a lot of the workout with them. So 
I am getting my workout in or whatever, but we're not thinking about ourselves when we're coaching other people. So for us to take that time to do our own workouts, or like you said, just think about fixing your posture throughout your day. We are by no means immune to any of that. We all have the same struggles, the same tendency, and we're all living in the same technology driven world, you know, whether or not it's in fitness or in an operations job behind a desk or driving a truck or whatever. Like we've all got to think about it one way or another. For sure. It is a very unique issue for people working in fitness to be like, I'm working in fitness all the time, but I'm never working on my fitness. Mm -hmm. I remember when I became a trainer, which I was like, what, 20 years old, I was a baby. And this one trainer came up to me and he was like, when I started becoming a trainer, I gained 40 pounds. I'm like, what? That doesn't even make sense. But now it does make sense. Yeah. You don't take care of your body as much. So no matter what your job is, if you're not taking the time out of your day to think about your personal, physical, and mental health, then you're going to feel drained. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel unmotivated. You're going to gain weight. You're going to feel uncomfortable. So you have to take those little moments to focus on you. And if that's just fixing your posture when your phone goes off, then hey, good for you. Your body will always tell you when it's unhappy, like it just will. If you're bloated, you need to fix something. If you're tired, you need to fix something. And sometimes it's, you know, a more serious issue where you need to go to the doctor. But a lot of the times it is a simple issue where you just need to tweak your lifestyle slightly and you'll feel better. Yeah. And then if those times, God forbid, when it is a more serious issue, being in tune with yourself in those little moments is when you're going to notice those things. Because worst case is you're not in tune with any of that. And you don't notice when you start to feel something that should be a serious indicator of something because you're never taking inventory of how you feel. So that's just another reason why it's so important to pay attention to. So if you always feel bad, you're not going to notice when you feel specifically bad because of a problem. Right. I have often said that most of us have no idea how good we're actually supposed to feel because every day we're, we're just doing so many things that are not what our body wants us to do. And it is funny. We were talking about this, how I feel like, yeah, once you hit 30 or 40 or however old you are, you're like, oh man, I feel so old right now. My body feels so bad. But if you're taking care of your body, your body doesn't have to feel bad. If your body's hurting, it's not because you're old. It's because there's been a long time that you've not taken care of yourself. Like if you're 30, there's been 30 years of you not stretching. So of course your neck hurts. Right. And guess how long we're going to have to do that for to to (laughs) To change those habits. Yes, exactly. So it's always, yeah, it's always a long game. It took a long time for it to get that bad. And it's something that we will work always on to make sure that it doesn't go back that way. (laughs) For for sure. Yeah. So Molly, I know that you work one-on-one with people for both training and nutrition, and then you also do group fitness options as well, right? Tell us a little bit about your offerings. Yeah. So I have a couple of group offerings on my website that are really fun. I have a membership where we do live and recorded workouts together and we do group coaching calls and we do workshops every month where we work on really specific topics. Just yesterday, I did a balance workshop with my members where we worked on trying to figure out how to have better balance, um, like actual physical balance, like balancing on one leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which like, I mean, you don't have to deal with this in LA, but I'm sure you have a lot of people who are gearing up for the winter. Do you know how many people I know who have slipped and fallen and broken something on the ice and how many times I've caught myself and been like, this is what I trained for. (laughs) This is what I trained for. I'm now strong. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a membership where we do all of those things together. And then I also have a signature eight week program that I call back to fit. 
And it really is that beginning stage for people where if they've been yo-yoing or if they haven't exercised for a couple of years, this is the program that's going to help them ease into exercise, which is what I've been talking about kind of this whole time. We start by doing shorter workouts. We start by introducing little habits into your life, and then we gradually build that. So by the end of the eight-week program, you have the start of a really sustainable routine that you can keep doing long after that. So that is my back to fit program. And the next round of that is actually starting on November 14th. So that is a program that I release every so often. My membership is something that you can do all the time. Cool. I love that too. That's like perfect timing because why in the world do we wait until the new year? I think that puts way too much pressure on it too. And honestly, like right before the holidays is a perfect time, I think, to recommit to making sure that you have some time for yourself because it's often a time where we all get overly stressed about things and any self-care that we did have goes out the window. So that's awesome. I think that's a perfect time to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, we'll be unique where it's we're going to be working out together through the holidays. So if you are someone that specifically struggles to take care of yourself at the end of the year, then this is going to be a great program for you because it's just going to give you those little lifestyle changes that you need to make sure that you're feeling healthy and that you can end the year feeling really strong and comfortable in your body. So you kind of just touched on this, but if I am a very sedentary adult, very little experience with working out in my adult life, and I'm scared to get started. Is that the program that you would suggest we start with? That is the program that I would suggest that you start with for sure. And if you are someone who is super scared to get started, again, it's just thinking of movement as just introduce a little bit of movement at a time. And in that program, I'll specifically be holding your hand and helping you do that. Yeah. And getting started as we've already talked about is absolutely the hardest part for sure. So it is, that's the way to do it with somebody right alongside you. It's both the hardest part and the part where things can go wrong, right? Cause if, if you start doing too much, as we've talked about, you're going to burn out quickly. If you start by doing the wrong types of workouts, you could injure yourself. So it really is at the beginning of when you're trying to get into a fitness and a health routine that you need that guidance, someone holding your hand, someone helping you ease into exercise in a way that is safe. Love it. Do you mind sharing with us? Do you have uh, like a client success story that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, I've been asked this question before, and I always think about my mom. My mom was one of my first and one of my best clients. When I was growing up, I wasn't hyper aware to this happening. But now as an adult, looking back, I see that, yeah, she tried a lot of different diets. She tried all of the different workout programs. She was constantly yo-yoing, gaining and losing weight, and she didn't feel great in her body. And then I started training her and she has lost a bunch of weight, has kept it off for like three plus years. And she feels really strong and really healthy. And I'm just happy that I could help her feel so good in her body since obviously it's my mom. I want her to feel amazing. Yeah. But also she is the epitome of what I'm trying to help people do, which is you can lose weight if that's a goal of yours. You can keep weight off if that's a goal of yours. But I also just want you to find this love and this energy with movement. And she's definitely found that. I have an emotional connection to it. So I I really, really want her to succeed. But I also have that same energy for all of my clients where I'm like, I just want you to feel good in your body. So that's happened for lots and lots of people. But it's very rewarding that my mom has been able to have that journey. 
for sure. Do you find yourself telling people, I guess, a lot of the same things, or do you feel like there's a lot of one-on-one individual type attention? The reason I love my back to fit program is because I do firmly believe that everyone does need some one-on-one attention. I do a lot of corrective exercise with my clients. So if say their hip is hurting, they're going to need pretty specific advice on how to work through that pain, how to get rid of that pain, how to modify their workouts to fix that pain. So I do have, you know, the good overall general advice that I do probably give to everyone, but I do think that everyone does need some one-on-one attention to make sure that what they're doing is specifically good and healthy for their body. Cause everyone's body is different, which is uh, something I also say in even my group classes, cause I'll finish a group class and someone will be like, so I have big boobs and that exercise felt really weird. And I'm like, okay, let's figure out how to modify it for you. Right. Let's do this. So everyone's body is shaped differently. Everyone's body works differently. So everyone does need some level of specific advice, which is also why it's dangerous just to take advice from the internet because your body is special. And if you're just doing something, some random person told you to do it may not work so well. (laughs) 100%. Yes. I would say I do the same thing in, cause I've done just like you both personal training and, and group training. And I teach group classes right now um, more regularly than I do personal training. So I'm thinking, as you're saying that, like, that's exactly the kind of specific adjustments or whether it's progressions or regressions. Like I hate even using like the word modification. I like to use the word options instead, because it really does not even to modify it is to make it right for you. And that's never more or less difficult. It's just what's right for you. And it's, what's going to get you where you want to go. Like, I hate when people don't want to quote unquote modify because they're like, no, I want to do the fullest expression of this movement, or I want to do it. You know, I want to be able to try it or at least work up to it. And it's like, it might work in my body and it doesn't work at all the same way in yours. And it doesn't mean that you are any less connected or strong or able Yeah. But different bodies feel things differently and being aware of that and responding to it is always the right choice. Yes. In my classes, I often say you don't have to look exactly like how I look right now, but you should be feeling these exact muscles that I am telling you to feel. So exercises are going to look different on different bodies, but you should feel certain things. So if you're not feeling certain muscles or whatever you're supposed to be feeling on a certain exercise, then it's not working. So you're going to need to find, I like what you said, an option that works better for you. So modifying exercises is something a lot of people like feel shame in doing, but really it's just making a workout more effective for you. And if you want to see results, then it needs to be effective. So one of the things that I find myself speaking to a lot is the feeling of things, which you just touched on. And I think that's another thing where if anyone has concerns with online or virtual training, um, people are very visual. I think most humans, I think this is actually science. I don't know. I'd have to fact check it, but I do think most people are primarily visual. I am not. I'm actually a very audio driven person. Shocker. I'm doing a podcast and I'm a very audio driven person, (laughs) but I find myself giving very specific cues to what you need to do to feel. The place that I ever taught at was in 
a, this beautiful studio, but it had no mirrors. It was like a bar class. So a lot of it, they were facing in towards the bar and facing away from me. And I had to be super articulate with what I was saying. I think a lot of people are like, well, if I can't watch someone do it, or like, I'm going to be looking at my computer screen all the time. Like my goal is that you don't have to look at me at all. You would not even need to see me. And I could lead you through it on a whole nother level of effectiveness because of the way I'm able to articulate what you need to feel and how to activate that feeling. So funny you say that because that is a big thing that I think as well, where I'm like, I want to be able to describe this so well that you have no questions. One time I was training a client on Zoom and her internet went out and I was like, it's cool. Call me. And I'm going to be so descriptive that you're not going to have a yes. question. And we did that and it worked and it was the funniest thing because it's always this weird challenge that I have in my mind that no one else has set for me to just be so incredibly descriptive. Yeah. Thing I do in my workouts. Well, it's also, it's part of what gets you out of your own head. If you have someone coaching you that way oh, yeah. to where like, you can't be thinking about what you're going to make for dinner or what you have to do next. You should be thinking about yourself and being fully in tune and thinking about what you're doing because you get so much more out of it that way. And having someone who can coach you through it that way is exactly what you need to be able to get to that level with it. Exactly. And to get the full benefit of a workout, you do need to be in the moment. Like you can't be thinking about other things. So I completely agree that if you are being descriptive, hopefully people are repeating those things in their head and they're just getting really, really in tune with their body, which is the goal of a workout. <laughs> yeah. And so much of coaching is, is finding a different way to say the same thing. Oh, yeah. So I will say something. And if I don't physically see people respond to it or a couple people do, I'm going to say the same thing a different way and someone else is going to respond to it. So there's always a way to, even if you've heard a physical cue before and you're like, people say that all the time and I just don't know what it means. Don't be afraid to say like, I don't know what that means. Can you say it a different way? Because I don't know about you, but I like nerd oh. out over <laughs> figuring out a different way to describe that to you uh, and to help you find the feeling because that's okay. really the goal of it. It's not just all rah, 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 you can do it. I believe in you. You know, there's that too. And that helps and <laughs> the motivational yeah. content, but the stuff that we get really excited about is when we can help you find the feeling and un unlock something there. For sure. I get far more excited about that than being a cheerleader. And I am the same way where it's like, I try to describe how to engage your core in about seven different ways. Yes. See what clicks with different people. And then if it clicks with you, I'm like, remember that. Cause that works. Yep. So if something is feeling wrong and then you fix it, that's exciting. And that's that's also why you need to, uh, going back to having modifications, like don't be afraid to alter exercises so that they work for you so that you can feel really accomplished because you did it correctly. It sounds like you have options where you can do both group sessions, but then also have some one-on-one -on -one attention. And that is ideal, right? Because that's, you can be yeah. in a group, you have the support system, you have the energy to take in, even if it's virtually like knowing there's going to be other people that are going to be there and they're going to show up and they're going to yeah. expect you to show up. But then also having someone that you can come to and say, I don't know if I'm feeling this exactly right. Can we talk some more about it? Yeah. Or we did this movement and I just don't think that works for me. Can you give me something else that has the same intention behind it and see if it works better? Exactly. That's specifically why I created the programs that I'm doing now is because 
I very, very, very much believe that that group environment is encouraging. Doing workout videos on your own is convenient for people. And then you also need that one-on-one -on -one guidance to make sure that you're moving confidently and that you're doing what you should be and that it feels really good to you. So that's why I created the programs I have is so that you can find that nice balance of, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think that's a, another key factor for people too, is there's even times when I've been a personal trainer for years and years at this point. And there's still times where I'm like, I just, I don't know what to do today, or I don't want to think about what I want to do today. And I want someone to tell me, but also be able to trust that it's going to be effective. So the fact that you have all that content that you can always go back to is awesome and a very big perk. Yeah. And sometimes I have passed Molly train me because I have those. Yes. Well, I'm like, I don't want to think about what I'm doing. So I'm going to go on to my own on-demand library and find a workout video and just do it. And then I work out with myself and it's a grand old time. Because there's a lot of group classes you can go to not to rag on anyone or anything specifically, but there are so many that you can go to where the teacher doesn't necessarily have a certification or even an extensive background of any kind. So there's not the thought behind the programming. I try to share that with people at least a little bit, like on a surface level, because obviously most of them are not as interested in it as I am, but, and they I don't am. need to be, <laughs> but you know where I'm coming from. So I yeah. guess that, yeah, that's why I bring it up. A good trainer and a knowledgeable trainer and someone that is going to be able to get you the results that you're looking for and leave you feeling like you can keep going. I could go into 90% <laughs> of group fitness studios right now. And if I did the workout full out, I would feel like trash afterwards. And that's because a lot of the programming is not well thought out and no one's actually done it. And it's different just for the sake of being different and for variety and to be like super intense. So people feel like, you know, they're crushing it and getting a killer workout. Exactly. I would much rather follow a smart workout where it's like, oh, we're building to this. We're switching to this. Like, I, I love workout programming. I nerd out over it. I've been a trainer for a decade and I've definitely crafted and shifted what I do. And now I'm like, this is smart training and I always want to be doing smart workouts. So I agree. If you walk into just any old fitness class, you may not be getting the smartest workout, unfortunately. The same way that anybody, I guess, can go to college and get a degree. Anybody can get a personal training certification, but there are courses and things you have to keep up with to maintain the certification. It's definitely not a walk in the park and it's not something, especially for someone who has been doing it as long as you have that you, you know, just keep without attaining a lot of knowledge and applicable knowledge. So I think that's for why sure. it's important to find someone who, who you can trust on that level too. Yeah. You, you have to trust that they'll keep you safe and trust that they'll give you a good workout and then also just enjoy their company a little bit. Yes. Well, if you've found the right coach. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like finding a good hairstylist. Like I got to know that my hair is going to look good every time, but I also want to sit here and talk to you for two hours, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> well, now everybody knows that you're a joy to talk to. So what they yeah. might not know about you yet, I think maybe we touched on it a little bit is that you're also a big major league baseball fan. Oh yes. Big time. It is definitely my favorite sport. I mentioned that I grew up in a sport heavy household. So I do admittedly love pretty much every sport, but baseball has my whole heart. <laughs> so what is it about baseball that you think draws you to it rather than other sports that, that makes you want to watch it and be more invested in it? I find it relaxing to watch. I don't know if that's a weird thing to say, but I find it relaxing to watch. You can just 
like if you go to a baseball game, it's much more relaxed and enjoyable than say going to a soccer match where like the energy is really high the whole time, which there are days that I love going to soccer matches. But when you're at a baseball game, it does just feel like, ah, oh, we're, we're just chilling here. We're just enjoying our time. But I, I've listened to your other episodes of podcasts and I'm also a big fan of like the defensive plays of baseball. Like I, I love seeing how everyone's working in the infield together. I love watching everything. <laughs> All the strategy behind it. All the like strategy I, is the word. I know there's strategy in other sports, obviously, as well, but it moves so much faster. And it's like, it's almost like these spurts of energy where baseball, like you said, is it's more drawn out and it's a little bit more of like a chess match. And you can kind of see the wheels turning and the moves being made rather than it just being like, bam, bam, bam. Whoa, what happened there? So yeah. I like the pace of it. Exactly. It's the strategy. It's the laid back nature. And I, I love all sports, but I definitely also am most passionate about one team of all sports. And it is for sure the Cardinals. Um, whereas all other sports, I'm like, I could watch any team play. I like certain teams more than others. Yeah. Baseball is the one sport where I like have a very strong emotional connection to a team. And that's also one reason that I lean towards it the most because I care more about it. <laughs> for sure. Same. Yeah. Like I have a very serious allegiance and yeah, not really with any other sports. Do yeah. I have that? at all. So you obviously you grew up in the same uh, similar area that I did in central Illinois. So your dad was a St. Louis Cardinals fan? Whole family St. Louis Cardinals fan. Luckily, we didn't have any, you know, Cubs in the mix. No outliers. Who? No outliers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, my brothers may have married into some Cubs families, but uh no, my my family has been Cardinals through and through and I was definitely raised as a Cardinals fan going to games. Um, and yeah, some of my first memories are like watching baseball. Yeah. Same here. So now you're in another, I mean, arguably great baseball town in oh, LA. Please. Don't even talk about it. Well, it's so interesting. <laughs> so obviously LA is way bigger, especially population wise than St. Louis, but the only team that has higher attendance than the St. Louis Cardinals at home this year is the Los Angeles Dodgers, which it's easy to believe because like, duh, they should, but it, what's, I share that because what's crazy about it is actually that St. Louis is second in attendance when, yeah. you know, there's baseball teams in, Around in New York city and even yeah. in Chicago. And yeah. So the St. Louis fandom is strong, far and wide. It, we are it, good representation of that. <laughs> for sure. Yes, it is. And definitely, Living in LA, it can be a little bit difficult to be a Cardinals fan, but I will scream as loudly as I like. I I will let it be known that I am a Cardinals fan amongst lots and lots of Dodgers. I know you've been to Dodger Stadium a number of times now. What is it like at Dodger Stadium? Are the fans welcoming? Is it a little brutal? What's it like? Uh I do think Dodger Stadium is notoriously known for not being the nicest to not the home team. So you do feel like, oh, I'm I'm an outcast here. Whereas I feel like at Bush, like we're welcoming. No, maybe not. Maybe that I think so. I just bias. <laughs> I think so. And honestly, so I have been to American Family Field up in Milwaukee a number of times uh, because it's like an hour and a half from me here in Chicago. So whenever the Cardinals are there, I go up there, even sometimes when the Cardinals aren't there. And I feel the same way about the Brewers fans, honestly, like for the most part, very welcoming. 
Yeah. I don't feel like, you know, I'm going to get trash thrown at me or anything, or I'm going to, you know, be heckled the whole time. <laughs> exactly. But obviously at Wrigley Field, it's, it's different. rough. I've been to uh, White Sox and Cardinals games here in Chicago too. And same thing. White Sox fans are are pretty cool, are pretty chill, at least with the Cardinals fans. I yeah. can't say the same for maybe the Cubs fans. I'm sure that's that's probably that's very different. a heated rivalry, you know, but you were there the day that Albert Pujols hit 699 and 700. You were there. I was there. And I will say that that was the most welcoming I'd ever seen Dodger fans. Like people were congratulating me. Like I made a lot of friends that day. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was, well, also- I mean, I'm sure it helped that he was on the Dodgers last year and they have a different level of respect for him, even than I, I would assume, or would like to assume that all baseball fans do, but it seems like he definitely had a special connection with that fan base too, which I'm sure helped. He did. I've been to a lot of baseball games. It was a completely different energy that day. I felt 700 may happen here. So I was prepared to go to every single game. And then it happened within like the first hour of the first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it happened so quickly. I mean, it was an amazing game. I already wanted to go to Friday to see like the Yachty and Albert dedication, whatever Mm -hmm. the right word is that they did at the beginning. Albert did a little speech where he thanked the Dodger fans for bringing his love back to baseball and then just went up there. And I I like to use my texts as like, a, this really did happen so quickly because after 699, one of my friends texted me and she was like, oh my gosh, I think you're going to see 700 this weekend. I was like, yes, I am. And then not 25 minutes later, did she text me like, oh my gosh, it happened. <laughs> But it was wild. Uh, I will tell you, every single time he swung the bat, everyone there was recording. Yeah. All the Dodger fans were recording. I tried not to record because I didn't want to miss it with my own eyes. Right. Luckily, my friend was recording, so it was recorded. Amazing. But yeah, everyone picked up their phone every time he swung the bat. When 699 happened, everyone just like the energy was crazy everyone was so excited everyone was like we may see it we may see it and i went to go get another drink and everyone i passed i was like let's go 700 let's go just like high-fiving people like i said made a lot of friends that day (laughs) um that kind of moment of solidarity among baseball fans especially after we just talked about that the dodger fans are not always you know super welcoming like that says so much about that moment and and the player for sure. And and then when 700 happened, I it was so loud. Everyone was cheering. Everyone was on their feet. Everyone was going wild. Everyone was high-fiving each other. There, Luckily, I was by some Cardinal fans. Behind me, there was this family, and I turned around, and I said, I feel very connected to your family right now because we just experienced this together. Yeah. But it happened so quickly, like so quickly that it's easy to forget it even happened. Like yeah. 20 minutes after 699. And then suddenly there was another home run and it was hard to even fathom. I didn't know like if they would do something for 700 because it wasn't at Bush, but they did like a whole thing. They had like a whole video playing for him. Everyone came out onto the field. Everyone was cheering. It was really something special. (laughs) I've never definitely 
best moment ever at a baseball game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that's why we like to talk about and revisit these moments in sports too, because it does happen so fast, even in this game that we were saying most of the time, it feels a little bit more, you know, laid back and relaxed than other sports. Those moments, it's a split second. And I, I loved seeing that they took a second to even at an away game to have that moment. Yeah. Let the teammates come out and play and the video before, for him. That's awesome. Sure. And before the game, they did that whole, like I said, dedication to mm-hmm. the two of them. And for Albert, they had some of his past teammates and like the manager of Dodgers, like they all like did a video where they were talking and speaking to them. I don't know if you've seen this video. Oh no, I haven't. I'm going to have to check it out. You should look it up because it's definitely on YouTube somewhere. I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes so we can all check it out. Yeah, for sure. The Dodgers manager was like, I hope you hit it here and I hope you hit it off of, I forget what pitcher they said it wasn't who ended up throwing the ball to him, but he was like, I hope it happens here. And it was just, everyone wanted it for him. Yeah. Very cool to see. Yeah, that is super cool. And it was funny because right before he stepped up for 699, I can't remember I think someone was just on first base. I I can't remember the exact outline, but I remember turning to my friend and I was like, well, he's better with people on bases and then literally home run. And I was like, oh, shoot. And then went up for 700 and there were people on the bases. And my friend looked at me and I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) And then it happened. And I'll never forget that. (laughs) Yeah, I. that's so funny that you say that because I have been consuming so much baseball content and even more specifically Albert Pujols content that I've said things like that too. I'll be like, well, he's hit most of his home runs with one out. And my husband's like, how do you really like, why do you know that? It happens. (laughs) Listen, We've got a there. I love that piece about baseball too, about how there's like the most weirdly specific stats about every little (laughs) thing. Sometimes I'm just like, whoever even thought to track anything like that counted this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Where does this come from? But it's very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But 700 is something I'll absolutely never forget. It was a crazy magical moment. (laughs) Very poetic of Albert to, to do it there though, too. I think it all it worked out very well for a lot of fans. And I'm glad the Dodgers fans got to have that moment too, because he did exactly. have such an impactful season being and, able to get picked up by them last year. Yeah. It, it was really one of those moments where it's like, even teams that don't necessarily like each other, they, they came together in the end and everyone was excited and celebrating together. So I love yeah. that. Sports oh, for like, sure. It, I mean, it's rare because there's not often like these huge gigantic moments. Right. Right. But it, yeah, it speaks to, speaks to the player and the history of baseball is another piece that I just really love about it. So sometimes those moments, yes, are bigger than any one fandom. And yeah. that definitely was. Okay. <laughs> Molly, before I let you go, I got a few rapid fire wrap up questions for you. Gosh. What okay. is your favorite form of self-care? Movement through and through exercise is what helps me reduce my stress Probably my ultimate favorite form of self-care is turning on one of my favorite songs and just dancing like a fool. <laughs> and that is a workout as much as any other workout. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here. Love it. Okay. What is a hobby that you have never tried that you've always wanted to try? That is a good question. I know one that I want to do more. So last year I bought a drum set. 
because I want to oh, start nice. learning the drums because I've I love music. I'm obsessed with music. So I'm a drummer. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I marched a snare drum. Let's go <laughs> for Let's eight years. Go. Another fun fact. Amazing. So yeah, I brought a drum kit and I I want to learn the drums more and let that become more of my day to day where I just take a little music break for myself because I have such a passion for music and I want to be able to play it. <laughs> How did you pick the drums? Did you like decide you wanted to play an oh. instrument and then just pick one? Oh, I've I've always loved the drums. I I am probably the number one air drummer of all time. And when I was a kid, I remember a friend's dad had a drum kit in the basement. And every time we'd go over there, we'd just like mess around on the drums. Um, so Love I'm taking it. it up now. Yeah. Well, and dancing is so rhythm based. And yeah. I don't know, do you teach any of your classes? Do you teach them like to the beat of the music? Do you do anything like that? I, I am. I fancy myself a DJ. So every time I teach a class, the playlist is definitely guiding the workout completely. So like I said, music is such a part of my life that I have also made it such a part of my fitness. They're yeah. just one in the same to me now. <laughs> That's another skill that makes a big difference. So that will highlight your workouts with Molly as well, because sure. it creates an experience yeah. having that music element in it. I and love I always that. tell people that the music that I play is probably unlike most fitness classes because I don't listen to current music. So it's all 70s and 80s and disco and oldies so it's we're all boomers in our music taste here at peace love and baseball apparently but okay. that's again because we were raised right shout out to our dads again because of our fathers <laughs> <laughs> okay what is a guilty pleasure whether it's like a tv show a snack something you like to do that you might be a, just a little bit embarrassed to tell us that you really enjoy doing uh, I mean, it's it's probably the entertainment that I choose to consume. I mean, I love sci-fi. I love Harry Potter. I and uh, I love reading. This is so. This is such a guilty pleasure, and I am admitting it here. <laughs> I love reading Harry Potter fan fiction about like Harry Potter's dad and all of his friends. So that's my guilty pleasure. Is I I love magic. <laughs> my little sister is a huge Harry Potter nerd as well. She probably yeah. reads all the same stuff that you do. Perfect. That's a very fun fact about you. Do you think a lot of people know that about you? Uh, no, I, I think that is probably going to be a new fact to some people. Love it. Okay. <laughs> last question. If you were a major league baseball player, what would your walk-up song be? Oh, that is such a good question. And I've actually thought about this before. And I wish I could say like one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite artists, but I feel like it would have to be Return of the Mac, mm. the 90s song. Return yeah, of the <laughs> I like it. Last name. It would have. Yes. To oh, yeah. That's the perfect fit. I didn't even think of that at first. I was like, that's just a good song. But there you go. Because of the last name, it would have to be Return of the Mac. Set it in stone. We know what to play next time yes. you come up. <laughs> well, Molly, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a pleasure. And I, for one, feel a lot better knowing that there's somebody as knowledgeable and passionate out there as you that is spreading the good word of movement and feel good fitness and just fitness and movement as a lifestyle. So thanks for sharing your insight with us. We've got all the good info of how to get in touch with you and how to commit to all that good stuff we've been talking about uh, in the show notes. And you can follow Molly along on Instagram for good tips and tricks as well. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Woo, we did it. We did it. Yeah.